How many know we need a word of God? We need the word of God. This is such an important series today as we kick off the word of God. Let's go right to our serious text, Matthew 7, 24. Let's jump right into this text together. Come on, let's look at it together. Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus talking, and follows is what? Let's say the old words together, is wise. Like a person who builds his house on the solid rock, through the rain, though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is, come on, let's say it together, is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on the sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against it, that house will collapse with a mighty crash. Could I just say right there today, if you're wondering why your house seems to always crash, could it be you're not building a strong foundation? Just, just throwing it out there. Doesn't always mean bad things. Can I just tell you, sometimes bad things happen to good people. The, the, the word of the Lord doesn't say that anything opposite of that. But what the difference is this, is that when our bad things hit to us, our foundation doesn't crumble because it's built upon the rock of Jesus and the solid foundation of his word. We need a good foundation. Good foundations are built on good fundamentals. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know why you believe it. It's not enough just to say, I believe, and you can't defend it. Some of you say, I, I believe in the Bible, but if somebody came to you right now, an atheist came to you and said, I can disprove the Bible to you, you could, many of you here would be stumped. You'd be like, uh, 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 let me go ask Pastor Gene. I'll get right back to you. Because we, don't, we may believe something, but we got to know why we believe it. So whether you're a follower of Jesus, you believe in the Bible, every part, maybe you believe in the Bible partial, Maybe you say, I'm just here checking this thing out. This series is for you. You need this series. We are starting this series called The Word of God. I want you to fall in love with the Word of God. Let's answer the question today, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? Can I explain that? Can I give a working definition? Do I really understand it? So I hope you are taking notes today. If not, you should be taking notes. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. I'm going to give you the, the Bible College Cliff Note version today, okay? Are you ready? Come on, if you're ready for the word of the Lord, say amen. amen. The more you know about the Bible, the more you get from it. It's important that you understand where it came from, what it is. The Bible, number one, the Bible is the Word of God. The Word of God. Not just the Word as the Bible is another word for the Word, but it is the Word of God. Genesis is meant to tell us the story of the beginning of God. Genesis is not a science book, but you will find science backed up in Genesis. It's there. Proven over and over. Can I just tell you that the Bible was hundreds and even thousands of years ahead of where science is right now. And every, every decade, science continues to back up what the Bible said 
thousands and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years ago. It just backs it up and proves it to be true. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. Let's say it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As we read the rest of this out, how did God create? He said, let there be light, and there was light. He would say, let there be, and there was. Everywhere he created, it was created by the spoken word. God creates by the power of the spoken word. Go three-fourths of the way through your Bible, and you'll get to the New Testament. The New Testament starts with the four Gospels. We call them the four Gospels. The four separate accounts of Jesus' life and ministry taken by people who were close to him, who's seen him, and they are giving you what they learned along the way, what they seen, and all four tell the same story, and they were written at different parts of the world in different times, and it's amazing how much they all thread together. Why? Because it is God's spoken word. John 1.1 says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. When is the beginning? In the New Testament? No. We just read it in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. That means the word was there before there ever was a written word. There was a spoken word of the Lord. It was already there. The word has always been with God. The word was God and is with God. In the beginning was the word. The word was God and it was with God. And then skip on down to verse 14. And look what it says. Then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. So if you're not getting it, who is the word? Well, he just gave us the hint right there. The word was with God in the beginning. And then we read it right here. The word was God coming down in flesh to us, dwelling among us. And in case we didn't get the hint, it was the glory of the one and only Son. So the Bible answers who the Word is. The Word is the living Jesus. The Word is the flesh. Jesus came down as the living Word. The Word is representation of the Son of God. The Word is always been, has always been dwelling with God. It wasn't something that was written so many years ago but it was also something that has always been with God. The Word was with God. The power of the Word created the world into existence. God has the power in His words to create. Out of nothing, He makes something. The more you get to know your Bible, the more you get to know you're right. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the more I get to know my Bible, the more I get to know Jesus. The more I know about my Bible, the more I know about Jesus. The more I understand about the Bible, the more I understand how much God really loves me. Look what it says in Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of the Lord is alive. Come on now, it's alive. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's alive and powerful. It is sharper than any, what? The sharpest of two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 
So the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. If you've been here for any time of all, you've heard me teach that the Word of God was once spoken by the Lord, that Jesus once spoke the Word. And when I speak it, look what happens. Once spoken, twice spoken. Once spoken, twice spoken. What happens? It becomes a two-edged sword. See, it's not a weapon until it gets into your spirit and you begin to speak it out. The Word of God is voice activated. It becomes a weapon for me to use in spiritual battle in my life, for me to use in my marriage, for me to use in my family, for me to use in my health, for me to use in my mental clarity, for me to use over my children, for me to use on my job. It is there. It is there, but i got to speak it out. I can't speak out what I don't know. I can't speak out what I haven't studied. I haven't spoken. I can't speak it out. Pastor, I can't read all of this. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know, because I got I to binge watch. Every new show that comes on Netflix and Hulu, HBO Max, and Disney, all the other, yeah, because those are so godly. I got I to gotta put all those in. So I got time for everything I put a priority to is what I'm telling you. Uh, this really isn't that much. You can very easily spend a few minutes a day and read the Bible through in a year. It, it's not a hard thing. It's a priority thing. It's a hard issue. The problem is someone's told you you can't understand the Bible. Someone's, someone's convinced you you can't understand this. This doesn't make sense. This won't help. And you've got to understand that's an all-out attack of the enemy to blind your eyes to what God says about you. Because the more I know, the more I grow. And the more I grow in God, the stronger I become for him. A weapon I'm used of God. Come on, now you are a weapon of mass destruction for the enemy. If he understands that, he is going to try to keep you, keep you from understanding what the Bible says about you. Look at this statement. When, when you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. This is the beautiful thing. When I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. It says it cuts between the soul and the spirit and, and the joints and the marrow. Why? Because it's, it's doing something on the inside of me. When I read the Bible, boy, I look at it and it hits right here. Oh, this is what I need to change. This is where I'm doubting in my life. This is where I'm stuck in a religious spirit. This is where I'm stuck over here. I need to operate in love. I need to operate in forgiveness. I need to operate in the faith. I need to submit to the Holy Spirit. I need to let go of my past and realize God has forgiven me and I can do something for God. I need to treat my neighbor better than what I'm treating them. I need to put church a higher priority than what I've done in my family. I got, it speaks right to me. It just speaks right to me. The Bible continues to speak to me. The Bible is not just information. It is revelation. The Bible is just not a bunch of information. It's revelation of God's living word. The more you understand it, the more you read it, the more God reveals himself. Can I tell you, I've been preaching out of the same book 
for decades now. Close to 30 years I've been preaching out of the same Bible. And every time I preach, the people who've been here since the beginning will tell you this. Every time I preach on a subject that I've preached before, there's always something new that gets revealed to me. Why? Because I cannot comprehend the revelation of this book. And every time I study it, there's always something new that jumps out at me. There's always a new revelation that God's showing to me that maybe I've missed before. Why? Because it's just the way the Word of God works. When I read it, it's just not info. It's revelation. Revelation for my life to change my life. The Bible reveals who God is. The Bible reveals his nature. The Bible reveals his grace, his mercy. The Bible reveals his love, his correction, his judgment. We get caught up in this revelation. What is the revelation? The Bible gives me a revelation of who I am in God that he wants to save me, that he wants to heal me, he wants to bless me, he wants to redeem me, he wants to guide me, he wants to protect me, he wants to do so many things in my life. His word will not return void. You cannot read the word of the Lord on a consistent basis and it not change your life. Well, I read it one time and I didn't get anything out of it. You're right. And I went to the gym one time and didn't get anything out of it. It wasn't until I started doing a little bit every day. I don't change my diet in one day and think my body's going to be changed. I don't read the Word of God in one day and think my life's going to be changed. It's on a consistency that things begin to change. I, I stay consistent. I stay consistent and look into it every day of my life. The Word will not return void. Number two, the story of God. The Bible is the story of God. It's just not one book. Some of you think this is just one book. No, no, no. The Bible is just not one book. Look, look at this slide. The Bible is a collection of 66 books penned by 39 authors, written over three continents over a span of 1,500 years. It's full of history, full of songs, full of poems, full of letters and prophecies. It's 43% narrative, people telling their eyewitness account of what they witnessed God do. All this comes together and equals one story. All this comes together and equals one story. Our story, church. This is our story. This isn't something of ancient times. This is our ancestors. This is our struggle. This is our bondage. This is our freedom. This is our deliverer who came down to get us and to free us and to set us free. It shows the struggle from the garden all the way through the judgment of God to the grace and mercy being poured out that now we're living under a new covenant. But you can't appreciate the new covenant if you don't understand the old covenant. You got to understand God's nature of excellence. God demanded excellence and he demanded judgment. And that was done by his son, Jesus. But if you don't understand that, you look at the Old Testament and go, it don't make any sense to me. You got to understand what the Bible really is. See, all other religions teach us this. All other religions teach us that we got to do things to get closer to God. Every spiritual discipline I do is to get closer to God. And I'm trying to make my way to heaven. 
if I do enough, if I do this enough, and if I do enough good things, and I do all these things, if I put myself through torture and pain, all these things I do as sacrifice, they're all making me closer to God. They're all getting me closer to heaven. But this is the great story about our story. Understand it. Get this today. Our story is not that we get to God. It's that God came down. The God came down in living flesh. And he came down the ladder to you and I. He came down the ladder to you and I. We don't climb the ladder to him. He came down to us. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. This is our story. This is our song. I'm going to praise it all day long. Why? Because it's God's story how he came down to redeem mankind. It's God's story. I don't get to him. I don't deserve him. I understand that in the story. I understand that I'm never going to be good enough on my own. In the story, I understand the excellence of God. I understand the sacrifice it takes to atone for sins. And I understand my, my story is not me climbing the ladder to God. It's God climbing the ladder to us. This is our story. The Word became flesh. you got to understand it. The Bible is just not a list of do this and don't do this. Some people think, well, the Bible is just a list of rules. No, it's not. You don't have no clue if you believe that. The Bible is not a list of just do this so you can go here and not there. This is not just a story. Church, it's our story. This is our story. It's our story of where we come from and where we're going. And in case you haven't read the end of the book, let me give you a little secret. We win. We win. We win. Come on now. You need to get excited about that. We win. There's no, you, God's given you the secret right there. You already win. But this is what happens. We take scripture out of context. People take scripture out of context and they try to twist you up with it. Well, yeah, well, if the Bible is, is true, then why does it say this? Here's an example, Leviticus 19, 28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead and do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. Anybody got a tattoo? Raise your hand. Come on now, we're calling you out this morning. Yeah, lots of tattoos. I guess you guys are all going to hell today. Am I? I don't know. And people who don't believe in the Bible will take a verse like this out of context and say, yeah, well, if you believe the Bible to be all true, then why, why do you have a tattoo? And you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know why. Because they're taking things out of context. Understand the original context. Context matters. Now, I will tell you this. When I, when I went to, first went to seminary and to Bible college, it was a lot harder to find out context. I mean, we had, to, we had to have books that we actually had to look things up in. Now I can actually go, hey, Google, give me the context of this, and I can read through three or four commentaries just like that and have a pretty good understanding. It doesn't take a lot. I can say, give me the context. If I don't understand what this was, give me the context of this verse and the time period. And you'll find all kinds of commentaries, and there you can sift through it and read it and get a background context of where and why it was written at the time it was written. And is it really relevant for today? Context matters. God wasn't saying he was against tattoos, but they were, what did it say? They were cutting their bodies for the dead. They were putting tattoos 
for the dead. And when I say dead, they were doing it as a form of worship. They were worshiping the dead. And God said, hey, don't worship the dead. That's bad. And we all agree with that, right? That's why he was saying, stop worshiping the dead the way you was doing it. And he was telling us, don't worship the dead. So context matters. He said, don't, don't eat meat that has blood in it. Well, how many of us have done that this week? We all, most of us, except for Lisa, have all done that this week. We have a few vegans in the house. But why? Was it because God, does God still want us not to eat meat now? I don't know. That's a good question, Pastor Gene. No, God, people were getting sick and dying because they didn't have refrigeration back then. They didn't have proper ways of taking care of it. So people were getting sick and God was like, hey, big fly, (laughs) stop eating all this meat with blood in it because you're not preserving it the right way. People are getting sick. Because we have seen in scripture where he provided, he provided for us through the land. He provides meat through us, through the scripture. He tells us that we provided this for us as nourishment to our body. We have been given dominion over these things in the earth. It wasn't that he's trying to keep us from that. He was like, listen, for now, don't, don't do that. Understand context. It matters. Understand the context. The Bible is what? Real and relevant. The Bible is real and relevant. The Bible only has one main character who's perfect. And his name is Jesus. He was the living word who was always with God, who came down the ladder, who dwells with us. It was Jesus who gave his life for us. He who knew no sin took our sin upon the cross. Only Jesus is the only perfect character in the Bible. I challenge you to go through and look at the rest of the main characters and even minor characters in the Bible. They were all flawed, and they all had serious flaws and serious problems. They they were jacked up. I'm telling you, these people were messed up. They were messed up. They committed some of the biggest sins. They let their kids get away with some of the biggest sins. I mean, they, they had a lot of failures. They had a lot of inner fighting. They did a lot of deception. They, they had a lot of wives. I mean, they had a lot of marriage. They had a lot of things going on. They were not perfect people. They were not perfect people. And I love that. Because some people think, well, the Bible is just, you know, I can't live. The Bible relates to you. I promise you, you can find a story that will relate to you in the Bible. You can find somebody who blew it close to what you've done in the Bible. Psalms 42, 11. This is about King David. He wrote this. Mighty King David. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Mighty King David, who was a man after God's own heart, who made a lot of bad mistakes in his life, he also struggled with discouragement. He, he, he suffered with depression at times. It, he, it's all right. We understand that. We see that. Sometimes, see, the Bible keeps it real. I love it that the Bible keeps it real. Sometimes we feel like, man, I, I just can't live up. Man, I'm so far back from where God wants me to be. Read the Bible. You fit. You belong. But if you don't understand that and read that, the enemy says you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. God can't use you. 
Your ministry's over. You'll never be able to do this. All these things the enemy lies to you about. But when you open up the Bible, the Bible time and time and time and time again, God uses flawed people who have blown it in their life. I love it that the Bible keeps it real. I can relate to keeping it real. Can you? I can relate. I can't relate to someone who's perfect. My wife can. I can't. The Bible keeps it real. There's a medical term, neuroplasticity, that was adopted back in uh, the, about 1948 and then widely adopted in the medical community in the 60s. It, they tell us now that science has agreed upon this and discovered that you can now rebuild your brain by changing the information you put inside your brain. So 1960, science says, hey, we got a breakthrough. You can actually rebuild your brain. You can rewire it. Look what was written in 57, 59 AD in Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the changing of the information in your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Isn't it great the science finally catches up with what the Bible's been teaching us all along? You want to change the way you see tomorrow? Change the information you put in your brain. You want to change the struggle you're dealing with every day? Change the information you put in your brain. If all I put in is social media and Netflix and Hulu and all the other griping and complaint, if all I put in my brain is that, I'm going to have a bad outlook and I'm going to have bad, bad outcomes in my life. But when I pause and say, no, I'm going to put, I'm going to throw up my hands or put up some worship in my mind and my heart. I'm going to dwell upon the word of the Lord. I'm going to think about the word of the Lord. It renews my mind. It transforms my thinking. It changes who I am. It's like science finally figured this out, but it's like the God actually knows how my brain ticks. Could it be that the one who spoke us into existence knows every little thing about the way you're wired? I can find how to operate in the operational manual right here, my story, your story. It's there. I'm telling you, the Bible is so relevant for us. The Bible speaks about mental health, anxiety, depression, money, love, sex, marriage, physical health, taking a Sabbath for your physical body. People call it irrelevant. Are you kidding me? The Bible has always been and still remains the most relevant book ever written in man's history. Ever notice that people who call the Bible outdated had never really read the Bible? They take one little verse out of context, they'll grab a handful of these verses out of context, and say, well, see, it's, it doesn't make any sense. That's, a, that's not relevant to me. Listen, do you realize that hospitals, Salvation Army, Red Cross, Compassion International, Convoy of Hope, all these kinds of places that we have came because of the teachings of our story that Jesus said, learn to take care of one another, to take care of the sick, to take care of those who need help, look out for the widows, look out for those who need help. 
that was found in our story. All those major ministries that are now making worldwide difference every single day. When you drive by that hospital, no, it was founded because of the words found in Scripture. It is very relevant for today. If someone says, we don't need a Bible, they'll say, we don't need hospitals. We don't need the Bible, then we don't need doctors. I'm telling you, the Bible is relevant for today. You must know that and understand it. Where did all these teachings come from? They came from the word of the Lord. It was Jesus who first introduced empathy. And you know what? Let's give women a right. He fought for women's rights. He fought for equality with women and children. They belong in the same place as men. They could come and have an equal part in the kingdom. It was Jesus who fought for equality. It was Jesus who brought races together. Because it's Jesus who taught, love your neighbor, not based off of their skin color, but based on who I've told you to do to love one another. That was Jesus. That was found in our story. I don't care who's adopted it as their movement. It was our story. Let me quickly in closing give you three things real fast. The Bible is not. Three things the Bible is not. Number one, the Bible is not a quick fix. You can't read it in one day and be changed. Well, I read it, Pastor Gene. I didn't know what to do. I just like, didn't know where to start. So I was like, well, you know what? Ah, there it is. All right. Let's see. Uh, then I will go to the altar of God. The God. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I'm not going. It's too bloody. I don't understand that whole message. I'll let somebody else tell me. Uh, yeah, you're not going to get it one try. You're not going to get, it's consistently, consistently taking a few verses a day, putting them in your heart. A few verses a day, meditating on those things. Meditate day and night. It's what scripture tells us. We learn to meditate day and night. You become like a tree growing strong, deep roots planted by the living waters. Meditation leads to revelation. Revelation leads to transformation. That's what happens. Strong trees don't grow overnight. Number two, it is what the Bible is not, it's not only for pastors. Oh, pastor, I'll leave that to you, you preachers. You preachers can tell me what I need to know. They can, but you need to know it for yourself as well. You need to know it for yourself. You need to know. Not every pastor preaches the truth. Can I just tell you that? Some pastors are just preaching what they've been passed on, the passed on and passed on. You have a right to look it up and say, let me see, is that really true? I need to understand that. Maybe something's being preached out of context. So I need to understand context so I can take what they're preaching. You need to understand the word for yourself, not just from a pastor or from a leader or from a podcast. Learn to read the word for yourself. If you was taught, if you ever went to a church, they taught you that you can't understand the Bible, only the pastor or the priest can Unfold that for you, you're in the wrong spot because that is so untrue. The word of God is for every believer. It's for every believer that we can meditate on it day and night. It's a lamp to my feet, shows me the way. And the last thing is not, the, the word of God is, is it's not a buffet. I know some of you like buffets in here. Anybody say amen, I like buffets, amen. But the word of God is not a buffet. I can't pick and choose what I want. Well, I like this part, so I apply that to my life, but I don't like it over here because, whoo, it goes against what I believe. Well, first of all, I just tell you, 
Study the context behind what it is. Maybe it gives you a better understanding of what the Bible is trying to accomplish. If you don't understand after doing that, then go to somebody who understands. Say, help me understand this. How do I walk this out? I, my spirit's not agreeing with this, so I need to understand it better. It's okay to find someone and do that there with them. But I can't pick and choose. The Bible's not a buffet. I can't take this part and ignore that part. It's one story. It's one story. It's one story that leads me to where God's developing me to be. You can't just take what you want and leave the rest and act like it didn't happen. The Bible was not written to confirm your beliefs. Hear me today in closing. The Bible was not written to confirm the way I believe. The Bible was written to develop and to craft the way I believe after God's heart. See, we read it wrong. I'm going to try to prove myself right and we try to study the Bible. Don't do that. Just say, God, let the Bible read me. As I read your scripture, may it read me. I promise you, when you do that, you'll start changing areas in your life. Things will start changing. You'll start getting convicted in areas you need to change. The Bible will read you. You don't need me to get up and to shout it at you and tell you you're wrong. You'll know that when you're reading for yourself. And the Holy Spirit will gently take you through the process of change in your life. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a new class started by some of our great leaders in the church. and It's a study on how to understand the Bible. If you have more questions, say, Pastor, I would like to know how to understand the Bible, how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible. They're going to meet tonight at 6 o'clock. You can be here for that class. They would love to have you and to share some more and maybe answer some more questions. This is going to be a great series. I hope you're ready. How many know the Word of God is alive and relevant for my life today? Stand on your feet today if you believe that. Don't let somebody tell you it's not it's not relevant for today. It is very relevant today. Matter of fact, it's more relevant today than it's ever been. Do you understand everything that is happening in time was predicted in the Bible is happening. You go through and look at the hundreds and hundreds of biblical prophecy that said would happen as we go closer and closer to the end times. They are happening right now, every day, right before us. You need to understand it. You need to understand it. It is real. This is what I govern my life by. This is what I raise my family in on a firm foundation. So when the crash comes, my family will stand because we stand upon the rock of God's word. Teenager, college student, don't let any professor tell you this Bible is not relevant. They are misquoting things and trying to skew it because they have been blinded to the truth. I want you to know the Bible is very true and very relevant. And when you understand context, it changes the way you see it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word which comes alive today. Some of you here today, maybe you need to say, I'm ready to put Jesus first in my life, Pastor. I've never done that before. And today I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior without anybody looking around but me. Just, just raise your hands. That's me, Pastor. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Believe in his Lordship. Thank you. Anybody else want to join us? Thank you. I see those hands going up. Anybody else want to join them today? If you raise your hand, I want you to say this with me out loud. As Christians around you will help you as well. Say, Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my sins to the cross. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, 
I will live for you and I will follow you and I will believe in your word and I will follow your word all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you say, welcome to the family, God. Come on, give him a hand clap.